Good adventures, everybody. I'm Melissa Bontek, and welcome to episode 78 of Books Cubed, the show where I chat with authors you should be reading. It is Thursday, September 24th, 2020, and I'm really excited. We have listeners now in 32 plus countries. And the plus is like, they're not sure where it is. So I don't know how they don't know uh, in this day and age, but I'm not real technical. Uh, when it comes to these kind of things. So uh, I'm excited, 32 different countries. So if you are listening and you are not in the United States, uh, go ahead and uh, check in. Tell me what country you are listening in. I'm really excited to know. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I don't think I have any updates from previous shows. Um, uh, my latest book, I keep having people ask me, when's the next June Nash book coming out? Soon. I keep saying soon. Um, I'm halfway done, but uh, I have a very detailed outline and I write pretty fast when I actually get motivated, uh, but I've got some personal things that I have to deal with um, moving, you know, it's, it's um, time consuming. Uh, so that's going to eat into some, um, some of my writing hours in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but anyway, so the book, I'm hoping the book will be out um, late October, early November. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, this week on the show, I am talking with Andy Shaliff, and he is really interesting. It is nonfiction, and he's talking about self-love and acceptance. And uh, before we get to that, I just want to really quickly say, hey, Andy. Uh, oh, oh, uh, and, I, and there is a small amount of cursing in the show this week, starting right now. Hey, Andy, I ran 10 miles yesterday morning, and I fucking loved it. So let's get to the show and I'll see you after. I want to welcome Andy Shaliff today. And I know I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm sorry about that. Okay, he has written a very interesting book, which is called The Wounded Healer. Mm. And I want to read just a really quick description of this. Do you accept and love yourself fully and completely with no judgment, nothing holding back? What blocks you from doing so? How would you experience life differently if you were able to do so? The Wounded Healer is one man's journey to answer these questions. After his first book, The Last Letter, Andy took a leap of faith. He dropped everything and drove alone for three months, coast to coast, across the U.S. In dozens of sessions, he asked people the same question. If you knew someone in your life would die tomorrow and you had one last chance to express feelings to him or her, what would you say? You are now Andy's traveling companion. See your own struggle with self-acceptance reflected in his as he confronts his deepest fears, demons, and critical inner voice. As he breaks through inner blocks and learns to love himself, find your pathway to the same acceptance. So I think that is absolutely so fascinating. And, and welcome on, um, on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So you, uh. you talked a little bit about um, in the book about what led to this book if you could just walk everybody through just told oh, oh i was gonna tell everybody what you do i'm sorry i'm i'm fresh from my run so i'm a little out of it today That's you great. are the director and you just told me how to say this a minute ago and i'm going to say it yeah, wrong amsterdam's velfaden is the name of the uh the, it's a building it's the first kindergarten in the netherlands so it's a historic okay. building and i manage it and we run training and coaching sessions here a lot of authentic relating and things that you know intimate things that people get to share you know whenever they leave the house it's almost like i want them to feel a little bit different after they've gone yeah nice nice so walk us through 
what led to to this latest book? The latest book was funny because the first book was really more of a memoir type of uh, uh, sharing where I tried to encapsulate all these sort of, I, I think most people in their lives think, oh, I've got one book in me, which is your memoir. And, and you write it. And, and when I, was, I wrote mine, I was like, well, I crystallized the bigger lessons through that book that became like insights. And I think most people that read it that are conscious of their own journey, they immediately identify with those moments because we all have a similar life experience to some degree or another, even if it, the details are a little bit different. So after having re written that book, I didn't think it would do that well, quite frankly, because, you know, I think everyone has the idea, who wants to read my story? There's so many other people with so many more interesting things in the world and, and all, all of that narrative. And, and I wrote it on my iPhone, right? So of course, it can't be any good if I write it during my honeymoon, I'm under my covers and writing this thing. It, it can't be any good. I was kept convincing myself of that. And then people enjoyed it. And, and I've always been one to sort of follow a flow. So if the flow is say, move forward, then I take one step and two steps and to the point when I said, hey, if this book is really being enjoyed, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to do something beautiful. And I didn't know what it was. And I said, well, I wrote this letter to my mom and I didn't know before that she was going to die, but she got that letter and four hours later she was hit and killed by a drunk driver. Oh. And, and that happened 30 years ago. And I thought, you know what? Like I had an opportunity to write my mom what I w always wanted to tell her before she died only because I brought to consciousness the idea she wouldn't be there. So I thought, why not spend some period of time, which I designated to be three months, drive across the US and ask people to do the same. And I mean, I left the US not that long after my mom died, really trying to move away from that pain. And the book was all about me making peace with that pain. But what I realized was I hadn't done the almost the the mea culpa or the the what was the the I'm going to go back to where it started. And I'm going to make peace with that sadness that I didn't make peace with when I was 20 or 18 when it originally happened. So that took me back. I just went back and I did 60 sessions, drove 10,000 plus miles and sat with 60 groups and just did it over and over and over again. It was a pretty intense, I was alone. And, and what I did was I recorded audio recordings after each session, what I was doing because it was so fascinating. You can imagine, I meet people, I've met someone for five minutes and I go into this deep place with them emotionally where it's the, some of the most intense emotions you can imagine. These uh, people writing letters to get divorced, right? That, I, you know, people, some man going to die and he's, you know, just making peace with his life. So I'm like, wow, I have to uh, sort of journal around this. And what I did was I just did a hundred, it ended up being a hundred voice recordings of me narrating the trip right after I had each experience, not even knowing that that would be a book, just doing that. And then I uploaded it to the internet. I got back the, the, the versions and I read it and I said, wow, this is quite interesting. And that was 150,000 words um, uh, just in its raw format. So I then spent the next, I'd say six to nine months cutting that down um, not even deciding which stories were best because some stories I gravitated to clearly. And, but I said, you know what? I'm not going to 
pre-select what stories they're going to rise to the surface. I'm just going to write each one and see how well I can work through each story and, and, and improve on it or delete things that just didn't feel right. So that's how it went. And then I got to the end of it and then I sort of worked with an editor and said, okay, I want to know what stories interest you. And then from that, then all of a sudden there was a sort of a, you know, how the sort of the things start to rise to the top. The theme that came out of it was really the radical self-love portion because I used um, one uh, tool that I'd been uh, had in my toolkit for years, but I really used it slavishly. And I, I, I'm not sure, can I cuss on the, on the oh, show? Oh, sure, or? what the hell, go okay. ahead. <laughs> okay, so basically the tool was a very simple uh, mechanism where you take the thing you resist most in your life and you say, and it's fucking great. So, so you really take the thing that's hardest, like the, you can't make peace with it. I was never loved by my mom and it's fucking great. My husband and I are gonna get a divorce and it's fucking great. My husband so I, makes I, me run marathons and it's fucking great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and it's like, because every, everything we resist is just plaguing the back of our heads. Now, a lot of people think that by making peace with a thought, it means that you don't do anything about it, which is in fact not true. You just do it from a place of non-reactivity. So, so you're really making peace with a thought, not so that that becomes your reality, but so you're ultimately flexible. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's like with running. I hate running with a passion. Yeah. But we run marathons. Wow. And so, and, 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 and so for you, like, how does he, how does he rope you into that? And what makes you stop, stops you from saying, I'm just not going to do that? Uh, he tells me that I'm going to get uh, old and I won't be able to move and I'll get fat and I'll have issues. And I'm like, yeah, I will actually. And yeah, COVID, especially during COVID times. Like yeah. we have to be out running, you know, every day, wow. every day. So marathon training just started like a couple of weeks ago. And then something happened where we couldn't run. It was raining or something. And we're behind, we're behind right now. We were supposed to run 13 last week and we ran nothing seven instead. Because wow. uh, we're in Florida in hurricane area. And so yeah. when we get storms, you cannot go outside because it's sideways rain. Yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Wow. Well, um, you really have dedicated to that relationship if you're running marathons to, for this man. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> it like sounds him. like that's if its I own didn't song. Like him, I, yeah. I probably would, would have left him as soon as he said, you want to go running? Oh, I don't think so. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how the second book came to be. That was it. And, uh, and I just, uh, and I ran with it and I started to see that concept run. And now it's a group. If you go to Facebook and you go to, and it's fucking great. There's a group of 200 people that post there daily, the most intimate things, you know, I haven't had sex in 10 years and it's fucking great. Um, I've never been loved by, I've never found a woman who's ever loved me and it's fucking great. Like really intense emotional reclamations of just things that people are like, have the opportunity just to let go of, just not to be holding on to as thoughts that are not serving them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so you've got all these stories and things. And what what has it done for you? As you talked about how it, it the book has kind of helped you ah. come to terms with things you know, in your life. The 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 first book really opened me up emotionally because at some point, um, men as we can sort of in general, generalize, they like to solve problems. 
So you come with a problem, then then it, the you know there's always a great solution that you don't yet see, and that's going to be told to you. And I think what the the massive lesson, the reason why the second book was called The Wounded Healer, was because I'm like, oh damn it, you just need to shut up and feel your own pain while people share their pain, and that's the gift. And and, and I realize it takes so much time and energy to get to that place because we don't want to feel our own pain. So instead of feeling our own pain, we try to heal the other person thinking that it's their problem when in fact, it's just our inability to make peace with what's going on inside of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now you you talked about how you went three months and you had just gotten married. Yeah, well, well, that was that the, the, yeah, you're actually, I'm trying to work it. Yeah, you're right. It was just after because, but I I, I kind of, um, I did, Three months, we had, I think, maybe two months of traveling together through Europe. So we, it wasn't just wedding. It was wedding and then the time to write. And then I left, I think, uh, it was, it was uh, a few weeks, a few months after that. I yeah. see we were sick of each other by then. <laughs> no, no, we're actually quite lucky. We're very, you know, that, she's in the first book as well, where I, I spent a lot of time talking about what made our relationship work. And she has no interest in anything I do. She's not read the first or second book. She's never been to a training. Like she's zero interest in anything I do. And I think I find that beautiful because if I needed her to, you know, to run with me on a marathon, it probably wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. You, when you lean too far forward, it wipes you out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know, there I know. You go. I just, yeah. It's the first time go. I've had this problem. You know what's funny is that I'm on a side street in Amsterdam and uh, and and the, what you see is a reflection of the sun on a window because we're such we have such a tight street. I've never had light in this room, but for some reason, at this very moment, the light's striking <laughs> a window and like shooting back in this way. So, <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So so she so she you know it's funny because most writers that I talk to, their spouses don't care about their book. No. My husband's never read. Well, he started reading one of my books and he didn't get very far. And I said. You are not my audience. Don't read it. Exactly. exactly. I really don't care if you read it or not. <clears throat> yeah. He's like, really? I said, yes, don't read it. Now, when, when I'm running, I will run ideas past him. And he's had a couple of very funny ideas that I've yeah. used in books. And sometimes I don't use them exactly like he suggested. And then he yeah. kind of pouts a little. He doesn't listen to this either, so I can say whatever I want. I don't think any of his friends listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> You're hoping not. I don't care. I don't really care because, <laughs> like I said... He's not my audience, so I'm not yeah. worried. I'm no, not worried I have the same that. feeling. The same feeling. Like when she's in, when she when she has any criticism, I'm like, when was the last time you actually had any question about personal development and what makes you think that this book would be any like anything that you'd want to read anyways, right? That's the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you now yeah. that you have this one and you've been going around and, and speaking and you have a daily mm-hmm. podcast? Yeah, daily podcast. We started a friend of mine, a mentor, uh, a friend. And uh, when COVID came around, I thought, you know, I've got so many fascinating friends. How fun would it be just to daily have one of them on? And then we just started to wing it. Like really, like the first shows, we took a football helmet, we shoved an iPad in it so we could bring them on as a guest and have their face in the middle. Like we really just, just you know, no reckless abandon. This Let's see how far we can move. And then Slowly but surely, we started getting real guests on, like Jane Elliott, who did the blue-eyed, you know, brown-eyed experiment, like just oh, people. Yeah. yeah, and it's just, so it's sort of, 
evolved from this play to like a still play. Um, but it's a, like this, people will watch the show and then where they might not do a show for anyone else, they'll do our show because we're really like two people. Half the shows, either of us will be crying because we're not really trying to um, interview people. We're just being with them. We're just yeah. holding space for each other. You know, sometimes they'll even do the, the like facilitating if they see challenges or problems in one of us, then we'll have a dialogue around, hey, what's your problem? And then it'll, it, it, the show goes anyway. That's why I call it a wonderful chaos because it's not intended to, if, if, if the guest doesn't show up, it doesn't matter. We continue, we just pick a theme and then we talk about that for an hour. So, I like that. I really yeah. like that. I think my, my favorite podcasts are one where people just ramble. And there's one that I listen to that I've heard people say, well, I don't like it because the person spends 20 minutes just talking. And I said, that's the only part I ever listen to. Wow. I absolutely love, I don't like any of the other stuff because <laughs> sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I like the part where they just kind of ramble about their life. Yeah. And I just find that I like, well, you know, as a writer, I write fiction. And I like to go sit, I liked to, in the past to go sit in coffee shops or we would go to Vegas and just sit and people watch and listen to conversations. Yeah. And that is my favorite thing yeah. to do. And I miss it so much, which is why Zoom, thank you, Zoom, has been such a godsend. Uh, I write every afternoon with my Zoom group. And if I didn't have them, and even on days that other people aren't there, I've talked to other ones and they'll, they'll say, I was on all day by myself yesterday, but I couldn't not be there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, I've had days like that too, where I turn it on and I wait if nobody shows, I just go about my business, but I need it. It's like my companion. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I, I was watching your show when you had that group on discussing just with your randomly rolling the dice and picking stories. And what I found in incredibly fascinating, and, and it's sort of interesting because I don't feel myself to be a writer, which is kind of interesting because I feel like I can express my feelings. So if you said, Andy, it's going to be a college student that's a narcissist in a bathroom, write the story. You know, like, yeah. I'm not going to write what you guys were coming up with. But if you said, Andy, like, you had an interaction two years ago with a couple and they had a fundamental issue around how they couldn't deal with money. Oh yeah, I know that story as if it happened yesterday. I can write that out because yeah. it's, it's almost stuck in my brain as a, like a, a moment in time. You know, yeah. you, sh you should come on the show though and try it because you would be surprised uh -huh. what you can come up with when you only have 20 minutes. Well, actually the first time in ever, I wrote something in 20 minutes and didn't have to. Usually I'm the one going, I need five more minutes. Yeah. But uh, for, for, I was so surprised that it wasn't me for a change. Uh, but you would be surprised at what you can come up with when you just don't think. Oh, yeah. You know, you just start writing. And even with the just start writing, you know, sometimes there's starts and stops and you try not to uh, do anything. But, but Lisa and I came up with the books just as a way to make the off days of writing a little more fun. Because it gets mm. kind of overwhelming when you're writing, when you're writing fiction. Oh, and um, I have plenty of stories, but I know plenty of people that, that say, I don't know what to write about. I say, well, we've got these, this idea for these books. And it, yeah. boy, it just, people love them. They have so much fun. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm always, I shouldn't say I'm astonished, but I'm just so impressed at the quality of, of stories yeah. that people come up with in 20 Yeah, I was impressed as minutes. well. Yeah, and, and what it showed me was that there was a lot of craft going on. 
you know, when, when you see, it's like an improvising. So everyone has their 10,000 hours where they've created their competency and then they can perform in that. That's it. So I have my 10,000 hours. That's really around interpersonal stuff. Two people arguing. I love jumping in the middle, like the louder, the better. Cause then I can sort of, I found a way to navigate it. And I noticed when I watched your podcast of the people coming up with those stories, I'm like, wow, they've basically come up with their 10,000 hours of skill here where they can really use even adjectives in a way where I would have a, I mean, it, you, you read part of at least the book because we, we discussed the, the oh, woman yeah, healer. Yeah, yeah. And you see the way I'm writing. I mean, I, don't, I write no differently than I speak. It, it, yeah. Most of the people that read laugh and say, Andy, I only hear your voice when, you're, when I'm reading the book. And, and in that way, um, I'm always quite amazed that there's a different part of your brain you're using when you write than what I'm using when I write. I'm pretty sure of that. Maybe, maybe. Really? Maybe okay, not, that's my assumption. We'll, we'll have you come on one of the shows and, yeah. and see, <laughs> yeah. see, what yeah. you can, see what you can come up with. I love it. Uh, you know, it would be nice for me. It would be nice for me because I can already feel it makes me uncomfortable and I really enjoy doing things that make me uncomfortable. So that would be a re that reason alone would be a reason to do it. Oh, oh, I do too. And, and I used to have the most fun by going to uh, writing groups and running the prompts there in person. Huh? And it was everybody would write by hand. I have arthritis, so I can't write by hand anymore. Yeah. Uh, but everybody would write by hand and then they would read and they would write, you know, 20 minutes. And here I'd come up with my stories are usually two to 300 words and everybody writes like 20 pages. I think, how do you do that? Yeah. How do you come up with that much? And that detail, the story, the one that you really need to listen to is the one before, uh, I'll have to look at, I'll put it in the show notes, but Tony wrote mm. a story, a horror story. We did horror the time before last. Okay. And Tony's horror story and the way he read it was hysterical. I kept having to mute my mic because I was snorting. He, You're it so was good. So, so funny. Absolutely hysterical. So you've got the two books and you have the podcast. Yeah. And do you have another? Are you going to be continuing with the, the same vein of, of nonfiction books? You know, it's, you know, I have the third book felt like, I, you know, after the first book, I said that was it. And then there was a second book. And now it's weird. Once you start writing, it's like, oh, this is, this is like, there's, I got the hang of this a bit. Right. And the next one I kind of saw was uh, if I looked at the progression, the one was sort of making peace with the past right by writing letters and doing that whole um all those sessions the second one was sort of making peace with the present by reclaiming whatever it is you're not comfortable with in this exact moment and then the, the next one which i don't know if anyone would read is really just making peace with death because in some ways that sort of that that is the final chapter yeah. and uh, and it's funny because in a way i've never written for anybody else than myself but as i'm looking at the at and also i have a I'm seeing how there's this uh, kind of this um, underlying belief in the world that everyone needs to have purpose. And if you don't have your purpose, that you're not living your full potential. And then everyone's feeding this, this sort of narrative. So I, you come to, and, and people say, well, I just don't think I'm living my full purpose. You know, this is not realizing that actually the idea that you should be having a purpose is part of the problem that you might not be making peace with this moment. The fact that you just think, oh, there's something outside of myself that I haven't got yet. Yeah. And, uh, and so part of the next book I kind of see is a little bit like the podcast. It's a wonderful chaos, meaning stuff happens. We don't control it. 
And now we have the opportunity to just be present with whatever comes up for us. And that is when life gets beautiful. And the surrender is often a surrender that's more than just this moment. It's a surrender like, I don't really control my life. I don't know if I'm going to get cancer. My mom, you know, she, she, I didn't know she was going to get killed by the drunk driver that moment that I wrote her that letter. But what I do know is if I'm just living and just embracing this moment, that who gives a shit what my purpose is? Like, who cares? Who, like, you know, why do I have to have a narrative to try to justify to the planet that I'm just okay with being who I am right now? And yeah, yeah that's a little bit what I'm feeling. Yeah, I like that. You know, that takes a lot of weight off your shoulders of, of yeah, of, of, of feeling like you have to, like you're not doing enough or you're not good enough. Yeah. I, I think that runs along the line of, of thinking I'm not good enough, which writers struggle with yeah. all the time. You know, everything you yeah. write. Yeah, I had a friend who sent me a, a short story she wrote and she's all, she kept calling, what was it? We were writing and she kept writing her stupid, my stupid story. I'm almost done with my stupid story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she sent it to me and it is, her writing is beautiful. Wow. I love her writing. It's a genre I've never read and I'm very excited. Mm. I'd like, okay, you need to finish this. So you can come on my show and talk about it because yeah. this is, and I said, you put words together so well, <laughs> you know, yeah. they, and, and, and it's like, oh, I hate that she doesn't have more confidence in, now the first version I read wasn't as good. I still liked yeah. it, but uh -huh. this new version, wow. You know, it just such a, such a night but and day, you know? You know what hit, hit me concerning that topic was that, I, I was, you know, because I mentioned earlier that I'm comparing myself to others and seeing how they write and say, well, that's really somebody who's a writer. They know how to write. And what, what, did, what like, didn't dawn on me or that penny didn't drop for a while was that, oh, everybody writes the way they write and people connect to a person's writing because it's their signature. So to think that you have to compare your writing to somebody else's is the most ludicrous thing thing in the world because if you wrote like them you would be uninteresting the fact that you write with that signature is what makes you interesting yeah yeah and then that yeah. that was my my issue with the first few shows we did was that i just people's stories were so good and i just felt i just don't feel like i belong to the same group of people mm. and i finally got over that it's like my writing is different it's different yeah. it's not as detailed uh uh it's more simple is not not simple but it's more i'm not overly descriptive i don't use lots of adjectives yeah. i kind of get to the point and move on you know yeah well um, you saw that in my writing i guess when you read yeah the, i like that i like yeah. that yeah and it just kind of moves on and and it and it tells the story and it goes and 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 yeah and you don't kind of i don't the linger the writers that linger sometimes i like mm. reading that but mm. sometimes after four pages of what the metal looks like i don't care anymore yeah <clears throat> you know, I, I read it. I love cozy mysteries and, and it's what I'm currently right. And I was reading one and the murder happened. And then the girl wandered around for a long time before. And I'm like, page after page after page of wandering, describing this trail. I'm like, somebody died. Go back to the body, get back to the <laughs> dead body and work on the story. Oh my God. It, I had to stop reading. Like, oh my God, yeah. it made me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I almost see, you know, each chapter should be able to be read alone as if it were like a, you know, a David Sedaris uh, audio uh, speaking, like, like if you're not 
you know, we have such short, because especially with Instagram and all these social media that gives us such bite-sized content, to some degree, if you want to catch people, then nowadays when, you, when I feel like I want to re- write something the way I'd want to read it. Yeah. Where it's, yeah. Yeah, no, I wish I now, envy, I, I wish I, mm. I had some of the description, descript, descriptive genes that David Sedaris has. One of his yeah. favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite lines from, from something he'd written was, the freshly laundered clouds. I thought, yeah. oh, God, I love that. And that's Florida. That's how yeah. our clouds look. They look freshly laundered. Yeah, they do. <laughs> It's absolutely, absolutely crazy, crazy. So you've got, how many stories are in The Wounded Healer? There's 44 chapters in The Wounded Healer. Um, yeah, 44. 44. And, 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 and from have- those, there's probably half of them are kind of archetypes of people that are reclaiming some aspect of a problem with themselves, with a parent, with a relationship, with money with entrepreneurialism, whatever that typical issue people are facing, I was interacting with people around those issues and that's why they came to the surface when we did the editing. Yeah, and I, mm. I one of the early ones, you have the lady who got all hot and bothered because, and I'm reading it and thinking, she feels guilty when she, when she kept saying, what was it she was saying about her daughter? Oh, it was with the- Yeah, well, the- I mean, that was the first, that was East West Bookstore in the middle of Seattle, my first gig. I'm thinking, let's, let's, let's do something here. Let's make a real life change. So when the woman, there's three of these women in the session, it was small. So these book sessions are never, never usually that large. But um, I just thought, oh, she's struggling. She's fighting. She's so angry. You could see it. I mean, it's just obvious. So I just thought, hey, let's see if we can help her move through some of that anger, you know, without, without doing anything you're supposed to do as a trainer or a coach. And I just said, so how about we just say, my daughter's a bitch and it's okay. Just, just, and then she lost it. It just, what do you mean? My daughter's a bitch. Uh, no, no, it was a, I was trying to just do an exercise. No, no, no. You're, you're judging my daughter. You're judging. So literally yeah. for 10 minutes, I have this woman in this group of three and the other two women, you can imagine they came to this bookstore that's all esoteric. They're in tie dye and they're wearing beads. And now they have this woman attacking me for trying this thing that obviously failed. And I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. And the, I mean, the book and why I loved writing it was because I don't, ever try to sugarcoat or make anything look any nicer than it actually is when when i don't know if you got the chapter when i peed myself in the car but i mean no that happened and no, I, I didn't no i'm in <laughs> I'm santa in though. I'm, 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 it's, that's after santa barbara I, my, this woman that's coaching me says andy you need to drink this much water and you have to do that every single day and i've never drunk that much water and now i'm on pch driving up and i can't get off the damn freeway because every road's closed and then i get caught on this california incline where the traffic won't stop and the thing is you know when you're when you think you're going to find the spot to go to the bathroom like you're getting ready you're getting ready you're getting ready and then you can't do it you're like okay i can hold off i can hold but but then like that happened three times and then by the third time i lost it so i mean i just peed myself and i thought you know like this has to be shared this is the reality of this trip you know this is what's really going on so i did uh i think that's something that everybody can can uh can uh, understand and relate to and i've driven across texas it never freaking ends we used to live in arizona and we were driving 
I was driving to Dallas. No, I was driving somewhere. Oh, I had to go through Texas. Uh-huh. And you can, you can barely get through on a tank of gas even because all the gas stations oh, are closed. Huh. So you have to, you know, you have to, you have to make sure at this one last stop that you go to the bathroom and you get gas and then you don't drink anything because <laughs> there's no bathrooms. There's no place to stop. Yep. You can barely get, you know, the 300 miles to get the next tank or 400 or whatever is in a tank of yep. gas tank. Yeah. It's, um, I think, I think Nebraska, all. like on the north, the north of the U.S., Nebraska is that, was that long haul for me, like cornfields and nothing, but, you know, just, I tried <laughs> to pull off because every day I wanted like to find one place that would be something to, to see or something to, and I, Wild Bill Hickox or something, I went to see to his house and it, it was closed. So it was oh. a random, random experience that didn't quite work out. No. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. So that that would be another interesting side uh, book, even or all the places that you interesting places that you stopped along the yeah. United States. Yeah, I mean that. Remember, there was a hundred and fifty thousand words, so that was more than half of the book was cut in the end, which is funny because some of the chapters I love, like I went to Oprah Winfrey's house. I spent an hour walking around her house trying to drop a book off. Um, not realizing where the front door was because oh. there was, there was like the, the, you know, there was that big, uh, mudslide that went through the whole, uh, the whole valley in, uh, Montecito. Oh, that's it was I really, got. really horrible. But when I was there and it was just this, um, this beautiful experience of trying to find Oprah and then, um, and then laughing at the moment when I'm driving away and then I basically see the front entrance after an hour of walking around <laughs> their whole house. Um, and, 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 and that just didn't make it because I think what happened was when the editors, cause I had two different editors to help with it. They were looking at, they said, Andy, every time that you did something almost actively to bring the story forward, it was different than if it just spontaneously happened. Cause it was then just part of the reality. It's like, well, this happened and it's interesting where I, you know, I went to Disneyland because as a kid, Disneyland was where my family, basically my dad was very bipolar and a very, very hard, difficult uh, to be around him as a kid. So um, when he got really bad, he used to take us to Disneyland to make up for it. Oh. So Disneyland kind of became this sort of safe place, the, the place where, where I remembered some of my best memories because that's where dad would make up and treat us extra nice for all the bad stuff that he did. So, um, so I went back to Disneyland when I was in Florida, kind of as this, just this, let's experience this again in this new, you know, uh, not wanting to wait on any long rides, not just, just trying to be there and take it all in. And, uh, and that story just didn't make the cut, you know? Oh, well, maybe you could do a second volume. Yeah. uh, Some people who read the full, uh, the full manuscript really enjoyed those stories and were bummed that they were gone. But you know, at the end, the one thing I've learned about the writing is I love the writing. I hate the editing. So I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll do some of the editing, like to get the stories as crisp as possible, but then I'll let the editor say, Andy, you gotta, you gotta kill these babies. Like those are the ones you can't. And I, and I, and I surrender pretty quickly to that. I don't, I don't necessarily get too frustrated. Yeah. Well, you know, you could always, if you had a mailing list, you could have some of your favorite ones True. That are only available to people for joining the mailing list. Yeah, that's and, a very you know, good point. Throw in the Disneyland one and and the Oprah yeah. one and yeah, Wild Bill Hickok and you know the anything that you know didn't make it in, or even yeah. you know or even um, 
like I said, you know, the places, you know, you do a chapter or two on just the weird places, just snippets. Yeah. You know, this weird thing and then this weird thing and then this True. weird thing, you know. Yeah. To throw it in there. And that way that way they're they're out there and they're enjoyed and and it's like a little special something. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'll certainly do that. I've been doing these sessions, right? The with the launch of the book, there's been four uh kind of uh online trainings that go two hours. And basically it just <laughs> invites people to come together to do the um that exercise I mentioned earlier. So they do a, a reclamation work where they'll just say, Hey, I'm having whatever issue I'm having and it's, it's fucking great. So that, that's, that's sort of how, what I've kind of given as part of the launch of the book. And it went really well. The first one went really well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You got like, it's amazing that, you know, over 50 people sign up for these things. And, you know, in the end I hadn't done a zoom call before I had my first one. I, I mean, I'd seen one, but never organized it. Cause for my work, I don't really need a uh, zoom. Um, and, uh, it was kind of, wow, okay, so I've now got 50 of you on a screen and I don't know most of you. Nice, to, <laughs> it's a bit overwhelming. It is. Yeah. We had a, I had a, a, a writing con I was supposed to go to in Nashville and it got canceled and it went viral. Oh, not viral. It went um, Zoom. So, oh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, you go on and yeah, there's just all these little squares and you can't see anybody and it was, yeah. um, it was, uh it was not something I want to do again. I really no, didn't. There's something anything. about being with people that the intimacy and the way you can feed off of the energy when you're with them, that when they're just staring blankly on a screen, you miss a lot of that interaction. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You know, if you have two or three, you know, when we do our, our, uh, our prompt shows, we usually have mm. no more than five. Yeah. Um, and sometimes just one guest with Lisa and I, and, uh, but we try to have around five, but then, then it's a, it's more intimate. Mm. And you can actually, you know, you can do a view so you see all the people and you can actually can, they're big enough that you can actually see yeah, yeah, yeah. features. You know, the thing that I was always fascinated <laughs> with, like that swipe feature where you can only focus on one person as well, or you can, yeah. you know, there, there's, there's ways you can mess around a little bit. But when you've got 50 people, you don't even see all the people, I think, on a single screen. You have to scroll through to two to see. Um, yeah, yeah, you do. And everybody has... Everybody, all the pictures are different orders mm. depending on the screen. Oh, yeah. So, and I think you're always in the top screen yourself. Mm-hmm. And everybody, everybody else is, you know, on other pages and things. But, yeah, mm. it's, it's just too... By the way, you, but how is it? Because I, I gathered since you didn't get to the P story, you haven't been all the way through. But how has the book been for you so far in, in, in the reading of it? Oh, I really enjoyed it. I've thoroughly enjoyed reading it. Yeah, it's it's been yeah, yeah. No, uh, I'm very I'm always I'm always curious from somebody who does more reading than I do because I actually have a hard time reading. So I have a, it's much easier for me to write than it is to read. And uh, it's it's there's like a, I, I uh, it's it's and it's no different than if I'm with somebody in general. I uh, when I'm working with somebody, oftentimes I'm not really listening to them. I'm feeling my body as they speak. So I'm sort of feeling what's going on inside of me as they speak. Cause as I feel them, I kind of understand a little bit. I, 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 I really understand what, what, what they're going through as opposed to let me logically try to figure it out. And then, um, and then like, you know, never meet them emotionally. Yeah. So it's very similar in writing. So um, unless I feel like I connect to where the author is, then I have a hard time staying there because it's taking me into my abstract brain and I really want to be sort of centered and connected to, to people. So 
it's a call it a limitation, but it's also I've tried to figure out a way to turn it into my benefit and how I write and interact. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the book, you know? I, yeah, I, that's um, great. I love that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, uh, yeah, I can't, can't wait to get to the P story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's some fun stories in there. I mean, there was, there was, uh, yes, yeah, so, you know, I try to mix in the two, the, the more, the stories where there's a developmental, uh, you know, sort of thing that's occurred with sort of one of these archetypes. And then where I really want to be sharing the craziness of how crazy is it to be driving that long alone in a car and daily doing a sh doing this sort of group session where you don't even know most of the people showing up. It was, you know, and, and eating, you know, because everyone serves the same food when you bring a group together. I ate salami and cheese for three months because that's the cheese plate. Everyone's like, oh, you're going to come. We're going to have a little cheese. So my stomach is in knots from eating this junk food for, you know, three months straight. And then you're it's driving. Crazy. And so, you know, if you, you need to get to where you need to be next and it's just easy to pull off the road. I remember being on a road trip with my husband. When we were first married, we would just jump in the car and go on road trips. And, and mm. we were in the middle of nowhere. And I said, I don't care where we stop next, but I have to have green beans. So it's got to be a place where I can get green beans. I absolutely have to have some sort of vegetable. Those are my yeah. favorite. So we, we drove like, and he complained the whole time, we drove like 10 miles off the freeway to find, um, I think it was a Cracker Barrel. I'm like, yes, oh, yeah. I'll get the vegetable platter with all the, you know, it was just <laughs> wonderful. But I just, I said, I can't look at another hamburger. I've been to my first Cracker Barrel on that trip, actually. I'd never been to one. I was always so confused by them because you don't quite know, is it a restaurant or is it sort of a souvenir shop? So every time I saw it, I know I only figured that out by going inside of it. It was the most random experience from, from not expecting that. And then they go inside like, what are they going for here? Because it's not like anything I've ever experienced. I'm going through the gift shop to get to the to the you know the restaurant yeah and they're serving alcohol now they just applied for oh. an alcohol license i don't know when it's going to happen but i thought it's just what america needs <laughs> <laughs> crackle barrel yeah it's it's uh. a cracker barrel is um is definitely the the home cooking where you get huge amounts of like biscuits and gravy yeah you know that kind of thing meatloaf um yep and and then you go through and in the and in the if you've never been listeners they have a gift shop and uh, in one corner you can get um, books on tape that you can rent and then you return them to the next Cracker Barrel if they still no. do that. Then another section, they've got Coca-Cola merchandise and I used to collect Coca-Cola my whole kitchen and was just covered in everything Coca-Cola. And, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and then you've got another section where you have um, uh, like uh, knick-knack type things and then you've got another uh -huh. section where you have candy. For Christmas, I bought my husband like a three-foot tube of bubble gum <laughs> he's like mm -hmm. oh my god i think he threw it away after after a couple months because there was still he hardly used any of it yeah <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Cracker Barrel, crack, if you haven't been cracker barrels an experience uh that yeah. is definitely uh, something that you should check out <laughs> people if the you're americana yeah. very americana yes <laughs> very much so very much so i can't think uh. of another chain um shoney's little bit like that but not to that extent i think you could buy like the log candy mm. i think that shoney's had that the log with the weird was weird candy inside it's kind of strange so uh tell everybody uh mm -hmm. one more time how they yeah. can find your books and how they can find your podcast because you do it daily you said 
Yeah, the daily. So basically, half an hour after we're done, I'll be on mine. Um, every day at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we go live. And it's a very much uh, random people that have very different stories. There's not a one day. It's called a wonderful chaos. And it's called a wonderful chaos because we really don't want to fit into any single genre of, oh, it's self-help, it's improvement. Now, you know, we had somebody who um, went from uh, homelessness to Harvard, the last show. He was actually homeless and featured on Ivory, um, I don't know what the show was called, Ivory Tower. It was a CNN special that won some awards. And we'll have some authors on. We have an incredible author, Russell Shorto, who, if you haven't read his book about Amsterdam, if you have any, the most liberal city in the world, he's been a New York Times bestseller quite a lot. So he, and, and then we have a woman who waxes vaginas and she'll talk about vaginas for an hour. And, and, you know, and like it's, it's, and there's, and we, every subject is sort of handled with just wondrous curiosity without any idea that it should be anything or that we're trying to get anywhere. It's and so, half the times I'm mentoring my, my, my co-host Bambos. So we might be in the middle of a, of a session and then I'll start saying, Hey, like be, be cautious, you know, how you're engaging now is losing connection with this person, you know, and, and we're very, very it's very eclectic and mixed in that way. So and we've oh, done a hundred and hundred and sub, I guess 115 or so sessions since COVID started because wow. we do it every weekday, every weekday. Yeah. Wow. And then people, the backlist, people can go in and listen to the whole backlist, right? It's all still there. Yeah. It's always, and, and what we, what we've done is we've taken the, We've taken the, uh, the recordings, which are always on live and put directly on Facebook and YouTube. And then I found a wonderful man, Cass Midgley, who did this show called Everyone's Agnostic. And that show is a really great podcast. He had me on when I did the last letter tour. And he did such a good job that I just kept contact with him for many, many um, uh, years afterwards. So he stopped doing that podcast. And I said, hey, how about you take our content and you cut it into a podcast? So he basically has cut our content then into the podcast format and that's broadcast Siri. And, you know, it's eight, wherever podcasts are, you just say, play a wonderful chaos and then it'll be played. It's, it's, you know, nowadays you get, you find one kind of aggregator and you know, yeah. your podcast is into the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So wonderful chaos. And then yeah. the, uh, walk them through the names of the books again and where they're available. The, the 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 basically it's on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Indie Books, t uh, Target. You know what I've seen is that you can go into any of these bookstores that print on demand. Here in Amsterdam, I just went to the corner and they said, "Oh yeah, yeah, we'll just print the book out right now." So basically, you know, you you can do it uh, even at, at these bookstores that have print on demand services inside of them. Um, and uh, yeah, and the audio book it will be out. I've it was done two months ago, but the the um, approval process for an audiobook is, you know, you'll, you'll do it. And then they say, oh, you need to make one little change that's so slight. But then it's like, okay, now we're going to take 30 more days to get the approval. So you're, you're like 30 days, all I needed. And now, you know, who knows if that one's going to work. So it might, the book may have been done months ahead, but the approval process takes, could take three months to oh, get yeah, a book yeah, online. Yeah, it's crazy. Thank goodness. I have a wonderful narrator. She produces the books and she gets everything distributed for me and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And it's just, she's fantastic. 
Rosie, I love you. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. So thank you so much for coming on today. And I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to try to listen to your show today. Um, I don't think I have anything. I'm today we at. have uh, Venus Lopez on. And what she does for work is she holds people's hands while they take psychedelics. And basically oh. that's, that's her job. Her job is to say, hey, you're going to take a trip. And I'm the one who's kind of going to caretake for you as you go through that. Oh, that's crazy. And, and I just like, thought it was so fascinating. I thought I really want to hear what that life sound, what that life's like. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I will definitely be yeah. listening then today. And thank you yeah. so much. And um, thank you. And uh, well, let's see. We we got all your books and everything. And yeah. And I look forward. I, I I see myself <laughs> doing this um, improv. I think of it as a writing improvisation. So uh, at some point, I'll certainly be there, and I'll prove to you that yes, some people don't belong in the fiction genre. <laughs> You'll say, no, stay no. in nonfiction. I have high, I have faith that you uh -huh. will come on. You will not write much, but it will uh -huh. be really interesting. Oh, you'll be, yeah. you'll be like me, where you'll be. Uh, I like I said, I never write more than three hundred words. Okay. Uh, but it's but it's but it's a complete short story. So, oh, interesting. I, yeah, yeah. I would probably do that because, like you, I, you're right. We're very similar. I need to have closure. I don't write for the purpose of hearing my own voice. I write so that I can mold it into a direction that has a conclusion. Otherwise, it's not fulfilling for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. So we'll definitely have you on one of these times. And uh, thank you. Go, go have, go do your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've got a half hour. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. I'm caught up now and I really highly recommend this book. I really do. It's, it's, I think it's one you will really enjoy and hopefully you'll get something out of it. And if you uh, want more of Andy, you can find his podcast, which is on five days a week, Monday through Friday. And it is really good. I listened uh, live the other day and had a blast. And I, I hope I have more days where I uh, can take that hour to listen to it live. Something about watching something live. I don't know. It's kind of like you're there. Well, you sort of are. In this day and age of Zoom, uh, it's still an odd feeling uh, to be able to just chat with people instead of you know going to their house or meeting them for dinner or for drinks or something. Uh, you're meeting them on the computer, so it's um it's probably the new norm for a while. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, so check out Andy. I will have uh, links to his podcast and his books in the show notes. If you have any comments or you want to recommend books, just go down to the show notes and click on the comment. It will take you over to our YouTube page and I will see your comment. You can also find me on Instagram, Books Cubed. So that's it for this time. Um, no other news, really. Uh, I have some more great shows lined up for you for the next few weeks. Really excited about those. And I'm very excited about all the people I have lined up for the next five or six writing prompt shows. I've got some good ones. I think they will be really, really interesting. So uh, keep an eye on the show. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. And if you are on one of the podcasts, give us some love, please. Uh, I guess those stars are pretty important. And if you're over on um, YouTube, you can click the subscribe button. And if you ring that bell, it will tell you when the new shows are out. You don't have to worry about missing anything. And uh, that's it for now. I am going to go pack some more boxes. And um, I will see you next time. Go read a good book. Mm -hmm.